Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsburg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Hello! Welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelorette Australia podcast that asks the question, Xavier, we went live on (laughs) Thursday night after the finale. Do you remember what happened? I remember the next morning being like, uh, thanks to everybody who watched our live thing. I don't remember what happened. Uh, and I have a hangover and I have a house inspection, which was Let me tell you. Rough. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I woke up with a headache. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what a lovely time we had. Oh, Thank you to everyone who joined terrific. us live. Yeah, absolutely. We are, of course, here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Max Quinn is my name. Joining me as they always do, Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. Hi, Xavier. Hi, everyone. Hi, Max. How's it going? It's finale week. Do you know, I thought this was a phenomenal finale. We'll save space for it in a little minute. I know we've got so much to get to in this episode, including everything that went down with Jamie Lee and David and Holly in the final week. So much to unpack, Xavier. But before we get there. Firstly, I would just like to acknowledge that today we are recording our podcast on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Uh, and pay our respects to the traditional owners and custodians of this land. Australia was founded on the genocide and dispossession of First Nations people, and we recognize that many of those colonial structures are still in place today. Um, Sovereignty was never ceded. We are both very lucky to be here doing what we do. Yeah, look, this is something that Katie Kendall pointed out to us when she was on the podcast last week. And... To be honest with you, it doesn't make sense that we have not been doing it up until this point. We saw a lot of, uh, look, whites having these moments of of embarrassment on The Bachelor mm. this week. And perhaps this is one, a, a mea culpa for us, you know, in not having done this sooner. So thank you to Katie for pointing that out to us. And yeah, look, also, it's really important to acknowledge that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Up the top, we're at the start of the episode. We need to point out, if you haven't seen the Bachelorette finale yet, if you haven't watched these episodes, I need to give you a spoiler warning. Um, I also like just recommend you give it a watch, uh, more so than many other episodes that we've talked about in the past. Mm. Um, but yeah, like there's no way for us to talk about the news this week or share our initial thoughts or anything like that without spoiling everything about the finale. So if you have not done that yet, um, please know that while we will be Talking about it in the recap, we also have to spoil it before then. So now's your chance to like fully just make up your mind and switch off if you need to. 
yeah, it's a rare time that we would ever say stop listening to the podcast. But if you've not seen the finale, stop fucking listening to the podcast. Go watch it. Come right. back. We'll see you in a minute. And if you haven't listened to the previous 100 and what are we oh, up Jesus. to? How many episodes? <laughs> <laughs> you better get caught up on those as well. So see you in a little while. Uh, welcome back. Hey, you made it. Great stuff. And uh, look, what better way to celebrate your uh, arrival than to dive I will not dive. We're not diving yet. Ooh, hold on. Well, we don't dive into the Batchwell catch-up. No, you're absolutely right. Do you want to throw wondering. us into the Batchwell catch-up somehow? Have you got any news for me? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first cab off the rank this week. After weeks of speculation and circulating rumors, the worst kept secret in the world of the Australian Bachelor is now public knowledge. Abby Chatfield and Conrad B.N. Stevens are IG official. Abby confirmed that she and Conrad have been dating with a main grid Instagram post on Wednesday, shared just a few hours before finale week was due to kick off. The post shows a carousel of pictures and videos of the couple's semi-secret courting with the caption, Me, I'll never talk about who I'm dating publicly. This MF? person standing emoji <laughs> which has since received over 100,000 likes as well as excited comments from dozens of blue ticks including Batchy alums Alex Nation, Holly Kingston, Laura Caleri, Kobe Frost, and even US Bachelor star Olivia Caridi. We wish nothing but success and happiness to the new couple who are absolutely tearing up social media and getting articles in all the usual places, uh, including this dumb news segment. Um, speaking of stupid segments, former Bachelorette Angie Kent had a hot take in her Yahoo column about this that I'm still inexplicably reading every week. Uh, she wrote, uh, come on, you two. Announcing your spicy hot relationship the day of your mate Brooks finale episodes was just a little bit, can we say, opportunistic. I mean, let's talk about it. The timing is a little bit surprising in the sense that, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess there was a there was a good week or two where we were kind of just waiting for the right moment, like, for, or they were just waiting for the right moment to talk about it. Uh, and I guess there's probably a more tactful way of doing it than posting it on Brooke's big day. Uh, but also, I guarantee that that is the single day peak of interest in this franchise for the entire year, uh, if not more. And if you're trying to bolster your career in social media, you'd be pretty silly not to take advantage. That's kind of it, right? Like this, mm, I can see how you would read this as something that is mm, perhaps not that kind to Brooke, but also, look, if you're in a position where you maybe aren't beholden to the franchise or using mm. it to get whatever you can out of it, I suppose it makes sense to do it when when they did it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Look, it washed over me, you know, and it wasn't until afterwards that I really considered that there was some social politicking mm. at play here. And I'm just not invested enough in it than to be anything other than a man who hosts a podcast. This is this is drama that is not for us. I think you're right. I think uh, it is the kind of thing that you could formulate a take on if you're getting paid to formulate takes on things. Uh, I also just think that, like, maybe, you know, that means that everything post-finale can be focused on the happy couple. You know, like, we've gotten this out of the way. That was our moment. This is yours sort of thing. Um, except, obviously, Abby is now posting about Conrad about 200 times a day. But, you know, it's cute. And I'm having fun in this, uh, in this you know, we're bathing in this parasocial content right now. It's pretty good. Speaking of happy couples, 
And now we are entering into some serious spoiler territory, uh, by the way. So if you didn't heed my warning, you're not a true save head. Uh, during her media rounds post-exit, this season's second runner-up, Holly Langford, dropped on an unsuspecting public that she and Millie Rubio formed a bond in the mansion, which blossomed into something more upon exiting the show. Upon exiting the show and spending more time together in Sydney. In her exit interview with our mate Talia Pritchard at Punky, she confirmed that she is very smitten and, quote, very much in love. And guess what? It's fucking cute, and we love to see it. That's nice. I'm happy for them. Yeah. Uh, there have been a few posts on socials featuring the two of them catching up, uh, spending some time together, seeing some other batchy folks. For the meantime, though, it seems like they're playing things just a little bit cooler than Abby and Conrad. Um, no shade. I don't mean like they're, you know, they're, I think those two relationships are just very different by nature. Oh, entirely different. There's one that needs to exist in the public eye for in order for it to be the momentum shifting narrative dominating thing that it is. And there's another thing that's like nascent and new and we'll see where it goes. And I'm sure it also is an entirely different dynamic being in a queer relationship than it is yeah. in the public eye being in a het or straight presenting relationship. Third story this week. I unfortunately ran out of time before I could catch up on The Bachelorette Sweden, uh, which <laughs> I know I said I was going to do last week. So, I, you know, I promised that we would revisit that. If you missed it, um, Australian batchy bad boy Kieran Stott has inexplicably been cast in the latest season of Bachelorette Sverige, uh, despite not speaking any of the language. Um, uh, incredible story. We're going to have to get back to it at a later date. Um, but I did want to say I can confirm that there have been eight episodes broadcast so oh. far. Nine people have sent have been sent home, and none of them are Kieran. He is That's still so wild. on the show. Uh, and so for our Swedish-speaking listeners, please skip ahead. But for everyone else, I just thought this would be fun. I'm going to read the names of all of the people who have been eliminated so far. Mm. So, or sorry, the Namn, I guess, of, of these people. Uh, <laughs> so first we've got Cesar Borgren, who's... 26. We've got Andre Lindqvist. Uh, that's 29-year-old from Stockholm. Uh, we've got Pontus Bakeman, who's 28 from Stockholm. I was actually a big Pontus Bakeman fan. Is that right? Yeah. What can you tell me about Pontus Bakeman? Well, look, uh, he gets up real early in the morning to knead the dough and... Um... <laughs> Uh, were you interested at all in Mikhail Beilinder? <laughs> I thought Mikhail Beilinder at 35 years old was just never going to, you know, it was never going to really That's work. That's true, it wasn't it was going to work the out. the age gap thing. Mm. Um, what about Kushtim Rukikui? Or perhaps Thomas Uberg? Or maybe Jonathan Carlson? Victor Letonen? Or Adrian, <laughs> why am I Irish now at the end? But we do have a lot of stuff to talk about from this season of our country's and languages uh, version of The Bachelorette. Um, maybe this is a good chance to just have some initial thoughts. I'm curious, like, you know, we've talked so much. <laughs> we've talked so much this season. We've talked so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, many would argue we've talked enough this season. But uh, well, like, what, what, what do you reckon? Did you have a fun time? 
these were revelatory for me, mm. these episodes. These episodes introduced me to a bunch of shit that as a man who grew up on the north coast of New South Wales and didn't have a lot of uh, visibility over things like this when I was younger, mm. Mm. it introduced me to some shit and I'm very happy about it. Look, it was. Yeah. I felt like it was really important. It felt monumental for me to be seeing it. And if I'm in the position where I'm seeing it, I'm sure that that is the, the same for the the hundreds of people who watched across the country <laughs> it was more than hundreds thankfully um but yeah i totally agree i think these were these were really good i think they were really interesting um there was some stuff that we've never seen before but also i think there was some like smartly used elements of like the real traditional show as well oh yeah for sure um i really like that the emphasis of the of the finale was not trying to fake you out or make you wonder who was going to win. You weren't really on the edge of your seat. Like, and I think a lot of the time that guessing game is the only thing that works about the finale because right. maybe the actual connection isn't really that interesting. Um, but this is one of those kind of rare magic seasons where you actually care a lot about the lead and the central relationships. And, you know, it's easier to deal with what happens and, and the person who gets sent home at the end um, because it's all handled so well. You know? For sure. It's the beauty of being able to bring someone back from a previous season that has an existing relationship with the show and with the audience and who ingratiates themselves so well with an audience who, or at least the audience of this podcast maybe, want to see more things like this and yeah. want to see this kind of representation and this storytelling that broadly I think the show did an incredible job of this year. Yeah. Um, Brooke has said in interviews that she's been disappointed with some biphobic reactions from people, especially on oh, social media, which is absolutely fair enough. But I do think like after six months of dreading this, um, and particularly this moment, the discourse has been a little bit better than I had expected, um, yeah. in my worst fears about it, uh, at least within our bubble. Um, That's it. But, you know, it just, it makes you feel for Brooke and it makes you admire the strength that it would have taken to lead this series even more. Yeah, I was super happy with these episodes. We'll talk about them more in detail as we get into it. Just a couple of really meaty episodes with plenty to chew on, um, mm. which I felt like was a really refreshing change from um, something else that I've been watching recently. This is a uh, young adult dystopian movie series that I've been watching. Have we talked about this? Go on. Yeah. Um, it stars Shailene Woodley. It's set in a post-apocalyptic version of Chicago. But, you know, it's like, it's just pretty generic. It doesn't really have a lot of personality, uh, unlike these episodes of Bachelorette. Um, mm -hmm. It just, just makes me feel like I probably shouldn't even bother watching the other movies in the Divergent series. Oh, Deep. God. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> Firstly, Google her to confirm that she is, in fact, the fiance of American football anti-vaxxer Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Great. Love that. Oh, whose brother is, was, is, was? That's right. Is, is Jordan Rodgers, although Jordan they are Rogers not on speaking terms. Yes. Of the, of the JoJo season of Bachelorette US, tenuously. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And then I had to be like, is she also the woman from Big Little Lies? And then I was like, where could he be going with this? And as it turns out, the Divergent series, mm -hmm. which according to the internet is a film trilogy based on the Divergent novels right. by American author Veronica Roth. Correct. Yeah. 
Um, but in fact, I was actually talking about The Bachelorette Australia, Season 7, Episode 11, Discovery Dates. We open with Ponder Shots as Brooke Blurton, our Bachelorette, ITMs how surreal it is that she is down to her final three. How surreal it is. Uh, and she sets up the return of Discovery Dates, although that terminology isn't being used, interestingly. They've already ditched it. This is the first time that I feel like I've heard them called Discovery Dates. Is that right? They, they definitely yeah. use that phrase a lot in Jimmy's season. Oh. Which I think yeah, is when no, they introduced them. Right. Okay. No, I didn't pay attention to that at the time, and it has already fallen out of my lexicon. Max, it's all I could think about for the last several months. Um, <laughs> I envy you that your brain has not deteriorated to the level mine has. Uh, but give it time. This podcast will go for a while. Uh so discovery dates, if you've forgotten, basically the tables are turned and the contestants get to plan the dates, right? Um, it is a cute idea. I think it doesn't necessarily actually pan out that way. Like, you know, it's not it's not practical for a TV crew to actually take direction from a landscaper, a psychology student and a marketing administrator. Yeah. So production steps in and they take care of literally every single part of it, which, you know. This is, yeah, as uh, someone who produces things like this on occasion mm -hmm. you go what do you want to do and they go i'd like to do this and you go well here's what's achievable within the scope of what we can do yeah here's That's our version of that here. or like yeah. or they go hey you can pick whatever you want to do from this list yeah exactly yeah. these are the things we kind of you know look we like to vet these things because they need to be able to be filmed on television yeah. and there's nothing wrong with and that. they have to get like ohs clearance and like you yeah, know the all these things bit, you know like we're gonna basically what happens is that people's imaginations run wild and they mm -hmm. send you a list of logistical hoops to jump through and you go i'll take this one away and <laughs> what this about one a away, date where you give this? me a big pile of money thank you <laughs> there you go thank you yeah Thinking about this, though, I do think it would be cool if you could give them a little bit more control behind the scenes. Like, you could ask them to film your date in black and white or something. <laughs> like, stylistically, you know, maybe it's a big... Okay. Uh, big Make it old-timey. Yeah, or like a big costumed Bollywood dance number or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're doing it um, in the style of Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just put a little moustache under Brooke's nose or whatever, yeah. Discovery date number one is David... And as Brooke is pondering while standing on the bank of a river in Glenworth Valley, David sneaks up behind her in a kayak, which he almost falls out of when getting out. Conspiracy theory, he did that on purpose. It's a little pratfall, and it's kind of in the style of Charlie Chaplin, now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, look, the sneak attack kayak is uh, its a really fun move. Yeah. Brooke is elated to see him, and David is looking forward to having some fun with Brooke and furthering their connection. We see them paddle down the tranquil river and they talk about their love of the outdoors. David shares a story about letting some of his clients' horses out by accident when he's doing a landscaping job and then he had to lead them back in with some sourdough. Mm. I really liked how much of this conversation we actually got to see. Like, yeah. this, was, this jumped out at me that, like, you don't always get to see this stuff. You know, oh, on a different level to how it will feel later, mm. you don't always get to see this stuff. Yeah. And I love that this felt authentic and real. Yeah. They want you to care, which sometimes yeah. it doesn't feel like, weirdly yeah, enough, they don't feel like they're focusing on enough. It's in showing these small details mm. that you generate this level of investment. And sometimes you don't get it, mm. right? Mm. Sometimes cute small talk is actually boring. It doesn't always talk. work. But in this case, they had it, they used it, and it worked. Yeah. They get out of their kayaks as Brooke ITMs. Honestly, I don't know how this could get any better. 
Vroom, vroom. Cue the quad bikes. <laughs> quad bikes should be a bad omen, right? Um, mm. The noisy Zoom Zoom date where you can't really talk to one another feels like we've talked about this a lot. It's a common cover up for a relationship that's not really progressing. Um, but in this instance, it's just kind of a fun activity for them to do that chews up like 60 seconds of screen time. Yeah. David lifts Brooke out of the ATV and onto his body for a clinging hug that resembles the result of a hooju. Uh, but I, I'm not counting it. And that means I don't I don't think there is a hooju in this entire season, which feels crazy. Hooju, for those of you playing at home, means hug and jump. Is that right? Right. Yeah. It's the, it's the very common batchy thing of like sprinting up to the person and uh, clinging onto them and doing a full body hug, usually with a kiss. Hudja. That's what we would say in this country, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, and we watched them make out for about as long as we saw them on the ATVs as David ITMs that the crazy coincidences and how much they have in common make him project into the future. For me, it is going 88 miles per hour in a DMC DeLorean fitted with a flux capacitor. <laughs> the night portion of the date features David and Brooke dipping into a hot tub decorated with candles and native flowers. Um... I always think it's a bit funny because they have to turn all the like jets and stuff off because it's going to ruin the audio. Of course. Um, so they're just sitting there making love soup together. Yeah, they're just kind of in a bowl of warm, aren't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the jets are very noisy because they're always going, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's not a very good impression of that guy from Jet, but you get the point. <laughs> Could you do that noise? Uh, yeah! No. David says, I know I come off really serious or... Not serious, but safe sometimes. But I'm not really like that. And I think this translates to, like, please don't think I'm boring just because I have a stable job and I own a house and I have a really close relationship with my mom. Uh, I'm actually also a bad boy because sometimes I go on a Zoom Zoom. Mm, I have a lot to offer. Right. I think this is funny. I'm probably thinking too much about it. But, like, every single man who goes on this show at some point needs to reckon with this, I think, or just, like, feels the urge to get this across about themselves. Yeah, without a doubt. I can be cool and dangerous. Yeah. I'm not just... And So what I like about this, at least from David's perspective, is that he understands what the perception of him is and what his edit is likely to be because there's been drama that's happened around him and he has not, save for week two with fucking Emily, Mm. been in the eye of it. You know, he yeah. is not being the person who has been the center of all of this weird tension. Instead, it's very likely that his portrayal is this man is a safe pair of hands. Right. And I'm sure that what he is doing here is covering his bases. And for me, at least it worked as much as it sucks that this man has to be like, hey, guess what? Also, I can be a bit spicy. Yeah. I don't even think it sucks. I think it's just funny. I yeah, literally think it's I just know. like it's a yeah. it's a pattern in the sense that like. Uh, every man who comes on this show like rhymes with each other, you know. Like, yeah, they they're always like, you know, because the show is so much about like presenting a sensitive and vulnerable side of yourself. At some point, you also need to show the opposing side of that in order to be like a more three dimensional person. But sure. it just so happens to always filter out into the same thing, which is like I am driving a bit faster than people normally do in a new kind of vehicle mm. or whatever. Okay, okay. We've watched this man dangle off the side of a cliff. He doesn't have anything to worry about. Yeah, totally true. Uh, they pour champagne as the conversation pivots to last week's meeting with David's family and the logistical questions that were raised. David asks Brooke where she sees them if they end up together, and she says that she's only just moved to Melbourne, so she's open to changing it up a bit. 
Um, but also she doesn't want to just give up on her recent move. David says the main thing that's keeping him where he is is that his sister's about to have a baby and the fact that his family's quite small means he wants to be there for her. Um, I found this pretty affecting, you know? Yeah. It shows that um, he, he has this very close-knit family dynamic that we saw last week, but mm. last week it was it was in a very different light. I think it was, like, much less favourable and it was more like, you know, don't be the person who, like, ruins this or Breaks whatever. the family up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas here it's like, this is a positive aspect about him. Yeah. Yeah. This is portrayed favorably in the sense that like my sister's having a baby and I want to be around to be with and be a role model for the baby Mm. is a wonderful thing to hear to come out of the mouth of a 27 year old man. Yeah. And also just to be like, you know, I have a close relationship with my sister. She's now going to have a baby. That's going to mean that she needs more help, not less, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. All of those things present him in, in an incredibly positive light. In ITM, we hear David explain, I'd have to sell my house, close my business, and sell my business, uh, which I feel like I was so on board with him, and then he said that, and I was like, ah. I fell out of being able to relate yeah. to David in that yeah, moment. Yeah, you lost me. There are lots me. of things with David that I really like. It just, like, I mean, it's incredible that he's been able to establish himself performing his trade at 27 years of age and has been able to turn that into house yeah. uh mortgage business whatever else house stuff aside it's like he says that he would have to close his business and sell it and i'm like well they have gardens in melbourne like it's sti- oh, it just doesn't actually really stand up to that much scrutiny yeah yeah i suppose that's also true in that you could become a landscaper but i suppose you have contacts and mm regular appointments and it would take a while to build yourself again in a new place that you hadn't been to and didn't know anyone in. But also as opposed to be factored in here is that you will soon be TV famous. Right. Um, I also just very briefly want to point out that like you'd have to flip your house um, that you own at the end of 2021, a year in which Sydney house prices have increased 27% on average from they a year ago. They have not. Have they actually? <laughs> they have. I, I looked that up. So I was like, buddy, this is a fucking golden ticket. You don't understand. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you're going to go live in a, like a much cheaper to live in the city than, than Sydney. Well, not much, but, you know, marginally. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Brooke tells David she has some anxiety around long-distance relationships, which is fair enough. We've talked a lot about long-distance relationships on the podcast. It's tough. It's not ideal. David says they could make it work, but it would be hard. Um, he says it's going to be hard for us as well to move from this to long distance, to which Brooke says it's going to be extremely hard. Both of them... Uh, I'm sorry. Both of them agree that distance increases the risk of their connection fizzling out. And Brooke says, I think we found our roadblock. But it's not lost on me that the focus here is on how they are going to overcome this obstacle rather than whether this obstacle will stop them from ending up together in the first place. You know, they're saying like, oh, it's going to be very hard when we have to do this, (laughs) you know, instead of being like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen or like this might stop this from working or whatever. Yeah, and that contrast is quite striking for me. You know, like we see that with the other relationships that Brooke is involved in in this season. And so many of these things are like presented as mm, insurmountable, whereas Roadblock is literal reality TV parlance is a thing that you need to get past in order to arrive on the finish mat. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. I, I almost wonder on some level if they were actually asked to find a roadblock. Like, you know, it, it's looking <laughs> too obvious. See if there's something, you know, so there's still some level of mystery around the finale. Although, yeah. like I said before, that's not a big focus of these episodes, and I like that. No, me too. It's just sort of like, okay, cool. Here's our thing. And to be honest with you, I think that they're correct in their assertion that the hardest thing about being in a long distance relationship is that bit where you're together and then you're apart, you know, mm-hmm. like that yearning or that like, oh, if only I could, if there was some way to make it better without mm-hmm. having to sell my house and business and whatever, Yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, so, there's a hundred things that suck about it. You know? Yeah, so, but it feels right them, but yeah. that they found this and isolated this as the um foe or not obstacle sure yes totally uh discovery date number two is with jamie lee we open with narration from jl about how she absolutely fucked it last week by not uttering the sacred incantation that unlocks your spot in the batchy finale uh or in her words it's so important that brooke knows exactly where i'm at i actually am in love with brooke my girl my girl you gotta do it you gotta do it Jamie Lee picks Brooke up in a big 4WD, thank you, Mr. Bishy, and drives them out to the sticks, where they stop the car in the middle of the road, hop out, and go on a little hike together. Everyone's done this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just leave your car in the middle of the road. I'm talking backpack on, flannelette shirt tied around the waist, leaves crunching underfoot, the whole nine. Good shit. Jamie Lee ITMs that she almost wore her Gucci shoes today, but this date is about showing a different side of her. And moments later, they arrive at a campground where a bunch of food and stuff is set up for them. They're going to have to put up their tent together. I liked the premise of this date. Mm. First of all, Mm. I love that the idea of this discovery date was Jamie Lee sort of being like, okay, cool, look, I understand. And maybe we see this with David a little bit as well in the way that he says that, like, oh, I'm not just a safe pair of hands or whatever he says. This is like, Jamie Lee's like, Brooke's perception of me is likely that I am a bit of a a prissy kind of girly girl. And so what I'm going to do is go fucking camping. Yeah. I thought that that was cool. And I thought that that was, you know, in a different way to the way that Dava did it, mm. a pretty coy kind of way of of going about showing your showing all of your facets. Totally. This is uh, fucking genius. If you ask me, this is like yeah. fucking the best discovery date of the year of both of Definitely. these seasons. Um, the reason being, A, as you said, it's, uh, it's you know, it's using the opportunity to embrace something that um, is not a big part of what, you know, the lead thinks about her to begin with. Yes. But it's also a compromise between, like, you know, because it's glamping, right? It's not just, mm. it's not just setting up fucking shitty, like, tarpaulin in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so it, it's it's a compromise between these sort of creature comforts and, you know, something that, that Brooke is more comfortable with. Right, and Brooke is about to introduce this really key phrase for this episode that is, meet in the middle. Mm, 100%. And then also, more reasons that this rules, it guarantees them an evening portion of the date, which is not necessarily locked in. Um, True. Uh, and, and, you know, it could also easily segue into a private little overnight thing with no cameras allowed in the tent, doesn't really happen, but I'm like, you know, you're setting up ingredients for that if you if it seems like it's going that way. Um, 
and yeah, it just takes takes the relationship outside of the dynamic and the distractions of like cocktail dresses and these complicated social dynamics and all that kind of stuff. Plus, we get this incredible moment of double entendre as they that's probably pronouncing that wrong, right? Double entendre. Yeah. Uh, as they're setting up the tent together, we get audio of them saying things like, does that go in there? Yeah, this goes inside, I reckon. Ooh, they're so big. Oh, I'm working up a sweat, doll. I'm trying to find the hole. We just want to get it up. Like, all of this is fucking really good. I was laughing And the editors don't miss a beat. It was really good. Yeah. Uh, they finish setting up the tent and tuck into some veggie burgers as Brooke says she's in awe of Jamie Lee. The evening portion takes place at a very traditional looking batchy couch set up just outside the tent. We didn't see them building this furniture. Uh-huh. Uh, where Brooke and Jamie Lee talk about their non-negotiables. For Jamie Lee, it's that she wants one to three children. Um, and Brooke says she has that sort of maternal instinct too. You know, that's something that's important to her. Um, and they agree that they would both be hot mums. Uh-huh. Jamie Lee admits that she feels shitty about buckling under the pressure to tell Brooke how she feels at hometowns. But then she tells her, from day one, I have always had feelings for Helena that I've actually never had for anyone in my life. Uh, I've always thought that you could be an incredible partner, especially after hometowns. I pictured a life with you, seeing you with my family, having a day like today, being able to laugh at each other. That makes me realize like, I'm in love with you. I'm so hopeful and excited to see where this could go. I'd like to note the difference between Brooke saying that she's in awe of Jamie Lee yeah. and Jamie Lee saying that she's in love with Brooke. And I feel like that is the critical difference that may well have been their undoing. Mm. I, I think it's interesting to think about the uh, response that Brooke gives here, which is she kind of goes, oh, and they share a kiss. Yeah. Because there is another declaration of love in the next episode that she responds fairly differently to. Uh, Brooke ITMs that hearing this makes her believe in fate. It is, like, I do not want to short sell this. This is a very tender moment. Um, It's lovely. It's really nice. And it ends with a cute little button as Brooke hopes that their next time together has less bugs. And Jamie Lee's like, and I'm the high maintenance one. (laughs) This is is great TV. I'm having a fun time with my friends. And then we jump ahead to discovery date number three with Holly. Now, when Brooke last saw Holly, the two had a couple of unresolved issues. There was a failure to communicate that the two of them had different goals when it came to having kids. And also when the hypothetical prospect of Brooke living back home at some point came up, Holly told Brooke that she couldn't see herself in WA. Um, we talked about uh, about this last week and how... I think it shows an inability to understand the importance of Brooke's connection to country as an indigenous woman, which is regrettably a theme that will come up again on this week's podcast. We'll talk about it a bit later. So it's a difficult spot to start things off from, but Holly has got a trick up her sleeve that she is hoping will get them back on track. Dance again, like the first mm-hmm. day. Remember that? I remember. Yeah. Uh, they meet at Sydney Dance Company in Dawes Point, where Holly tells Brooke she was a ballet dancer for 15 years, so this is a really meaningful thing for the two of them to share. Um, and she says if Brooke can understand ballet a little better, hopefully she can understand Holly as well. 
And also, you know, it's the Sydney Dance Company. It's not the fucking Perth one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, they they walk they, into the studio f- and the word... They're fucking three hours behind doing their fucking little... <laughs> they're way out of time. <laughs> <laughs> the word Sydney appears a lot of times in text on screen during this day. Like, it's it's emblazoned all over the, like, entry, you know, the lobby or whatever. Uh, anyway, they sit alone in the studio and watch as two women perform a dance, which Holly explains is about the intimacy between two people before they go for an embrace. Mm. Pretty fucking special, actually. Like the, the way that the, like everything kind of just like pulls back and we are actually watching this performance just makes me think like, you don't see this on fucking Love Island. Like this is one thing that Batchy, when it wants to, can do really well. It can really turn it on. The content itself, I, you know, it's it's ballet. It's not something that I, I don't have a lot of literacy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But look, uh, it presented as beautiful. Yes, um, and Holly explains that the dance is usually performed between a man and a woman, but they changed it just for them, which I think is nice. Yeah, reflects well on the Sydney Dance Company. We wouldn't fucking see that in WA. Let me tell you. Yeah, there's every yeah, chance you can see that, that in WA. Uh, Brooke ITMs that she and Holly are in a bit of a limbo. Huh? Get it? Right? right. Okay. Dancing. Uh, both of them want the relationship to get back to where it was before, but there are still some hurdles to get over. Wait, that's the opposite of how limbo works. <laughs> mm. Anyway. The evening portion takes place at a rooftop cocktail bar called Zephyr, which Holly refers to as, quote, her humble abode, which I... Do you live at the bar? Fly on my my zephyr. Really good. Uh, It's time to finally have the chat that they need to have. They're very much not talking whilst the performance is happening because they're like, ah, something to look at, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's like if if you're in an argument with your partner, but you have movie tickets and you're like, we're going to have to talk about this afterwards, you know? And... First of all, I just want to say how refreshing it was to actually see this conversation play out um, in the sense that this is like the real genuine human drama that doesn't really need too much tweaking from production. And I think it is just like an inherently difficult and interesting thing that two people are dealing with and they try and stay pretty hands off with it. Yeah. Um, Holly really plainly says in ITM, I don't want to live in WA to raise a family. And I don't want to have three children. So, yeah, my heart is in my throat. And I'm like, fuck, it would be. Um, Holly seems to want Brooke to lead the conversation. She asks her what at hometowns left her feeling hurt. Brooke explains that Holly has always been one of her strongest connections. But hometowns raised some unanswered questions. So Holly tries to explain. She's been single for three and a half years. So during that time... She's become comfortable with the idea of not having kids in her future. But now that she's seeing Brooke and considering a future with her, she does think about having a family together. It's just a smaller one. So Brooke asks, is it not a huge priority in your life, having children? To which Holly says, no. Which I get. Like, that's Mm -hmm. cool. You know, I, I, I have a lot of space for that, especially because, like, as we know, Holly has only recently started exploring her sexuality. Um, It feels like there's a lot of time left for her to think about things like this. Um, And thinking more about this, 
I feel a bit unsure about making plans to have several children because like motherhood can be really different than what you expect it to be. You know, childbirth can be a genuinely traumatic experience and there are so many things that can happen to change your plans. Um, so if you start a relationship with the expectation of having two to three kids, but you don't actually make it that far, like, are you always just going to feel like you've disappointed that person? It's a great question. And I think for me, it just comes down to the question of of timeline and want and desire. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I feel like it's not so much the practicalities of, are we going to have three? Are we going to have four? How many? Whatever. It's more like, is that within your range of outcomes? And I think that that's what Brooke and Holly are trying to suss out here mm. rather than lock in on but you promised three and there's only two. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. for me, it's like, look, all of this, all of this like practicality of um, fuck childbirth, whatever you want to say is to a certain extent, a little bit further out of reach than are we simply on the same page about what we could want from this relationship. Mm. And these are two people communicating to my ears at the very least that that's not the case. Yeah, it's just so tricky because this show makes you make these decisions way in advance in a pretty unnatural way. For sure. Like, I don't, you know, I, I relate so much with Holly, who has been single for a long time, who literally just like hasn't thought about it until the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly everybody's asking her to like lock in an answer that she can <laughs> defend, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's pressureful. I, yeah, I I mean I I completely see it from both sides. I think. Yeah, and it, it's just that's what I liked about this was um, the more I thought about it, the more I was untangling, and all of that stuff was present in the edit. Like they didn't cut around it, they didn't treat it as if it was just one issue that they could solve quickly. Right, right. So it's incredibly even-handed in its portrayal, I think. And there was a really fascinating discussion between Jessica and Isabella and. S and also Sarah in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on the night of November 24 that I feel like if you are interested in breaking down some more of this discourse, hearing more opinions, come along, join us in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group, seek us out. Mm. And yeah, look, there's lots of people having lots of thoughts about this. And I felt really torn the conclusion of this day, which I'm sure we'll now yeah, get to. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also, like, um, Brooke has communicated this as clearly as she could, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. She's talked about it during group dates and stuff, and, like, you know, it, 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 it isn't news to Holly that this is something that matters to Brooke. Precisely. Um, but she didn't get a chance, like, you know. But the thing is also, like, I, I get that she didn't necessarily bring it up to hometowns because they've been dating non-exclusively for like what a month six weeks oh or something God, they've been on two dates to know like, someone you know like these are the kind of things where i don't know to be honest with you when danny and i started dating hmm. we had these conversations up front yeah like where do you want to go what do you see yourself doing hmm. what are you open to what are you not open to it has laid the foundation for a really healthy relationship and i believe that you and I being on this podcast mm. and watching so many people fuck it up on TV over and over and over again yeah. was maybe helpful in that way. Obviously, yeah. we both have, both have our own pasts and relationships that we've been in and all kinds of stuff. But at the very least, having that solid foundation of like, 
well, look, what are you in this for? And are we headed in the same direction? Yeah. The very beginning of our relationship was incredibly helpful because we could both see a path toward a future together. And Mm. we're both on the same page about, look, do we want kids? Do we maybe want a or two hmm, kids? We don't, you know, like we're not, neither of us, I think are locked in on that, but Mm. I fully am invested in the way that Brooke and Holly are describing what their wants are. And I Mm. respect that neither of them necessarily are backing away from it. Right. What I will say to you is that, I don't know, like Holly as the person who is the keeper of the information because Brooke has made her information available Mm. in this situation. I don't know. I can feel it. I understand why you wouldn't because selfishly, maybe you think you can change that person. You can talk them away to your way of seeing things. Maybe there's compromise. Maybe there are these magic words of meeting in the middle Mm. that can be found. But at least from where I see it, there's probably an amount of heartbreak for these two women that particularly, I guess, Holly could have saved herself from and Brooke from by just coming to the party a little earlier with this information. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Holly at this point admits that in hindsight, she could have gone into some more detail about her plans. Uh, there you, earlier go. On, you know, I think she gets it, you know, like, you know, but also for it's sure. just like, you're in it now. You know? Exactly. But yeah, you both get it. You're both in it. We're just in a situation where it's like, okay, cool. Now we've got to deal with it. Yeah. Um, with that, I mean, it's not resolved. It's kind of, no. they move on. They put it in the too hard basket almost, you know? Uh, and Brooke opens the floor for Holly to clarify her thoughts about this um, potential move back to WA. Holly says that when Brooke mentioned it, um, that, you know, she might want to move back home at some point, that was the first she had heard about it. Um, She says, these are things that come out with time, and this just happens to be the first time that you'd spoken that to me. And Brooke sort of explains that there has been a miscommunication, like there's no specific plan for her to move to WA, and if she did it, it would be as the result of a discussion with whatever partner she might have. Absolutely. Which is totally true. Like the Fair and fine. On both sides, this is two people coming to the party and going, okay, cool. We've not heard each other exactly on this. And it's beautiful, open communication, yeah. even in a difficult time. Yeah. But then she asked Holly, you know, hypothetically, if I did need to move home for a bit, what would happen? Like, you know, she's like, well, now that we're talking about it, let's talk about it. Yeah. Holly says, WA is not honestly somewhere I can see myself. So that's where compromise then becomes a sacrifice. I don't think that you would expect me to sacrifice things, but, and Brooke says, no, but I'd, I'd want to know that my partner's open-minded and can be open about these things. I just know that if the shoe was on the other foot, I know that I would compromise, but I just want to know that in a relationship, you're willing to even just meet me halfway. And Holly says, yeah, I'm not sure. And Brooke says, you're not sure? I'm just a little bit lost. I don't know where to kind of go from this. Holly says, I'm torn because I really like you, but I feel like the next few years would be really, really wonderful. And after that, I'm not so sure about. This is really tough to watch. Um, Brooke asks what Holly was looking for from this process, to which she says, I'm looking to spend my life with someone. And Brooke says, but it's not me because you're giving me a time limit. Yeah. I don't know necessarily if she is giving her a time limit. I think that, like, 
you know, she she feels confident about the next few years. She feels less confident about the years following that. But also, you have several years in between there where you can work out some of these things, right? I feel like what is being communicated is fundamental incompatibility. Mm. You know, if the way that you are approaching this is will be good up until the point, what I think Brooke is drawing from this situation and what I drew from this situation mm. personally was we're good until we're not. And when we're not, we absolutely will just fall apart at the seams because there's a certain amount that you want from me that I can't give to you. Mm. And that is well within Holly's, I don't know, rights. <laughs> it's fucking good yeah. that Holly is communicating that. Yeah. But the way that she says it, at least to me, is fucking brutal. Yes. Because what it does is places a a constraint on what up until this very second mm. was a, a hypothetical future full of possibility. Mm. And Holly in saying this took that away. Mm. And for me, that was the point where I was like, Oh, we're having a breakup. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tricky. Um, Brooke says, I don't know where to go from here. You're basically saying this is going to hit a roadblock. We're going to end at that time. Holly says she didn't realize until hometowns that this was a non-negotiable. Otherwise, she would have brought it up sooner. Um, Brooke says she would pack up her life and move to Sydney for the right person, to which Holly says, and I would do the same, which is not true. You kind of just it's said not you true. Wouldn't. I mean, she would move to Sydney. She's just got to go straight across the fucking it's bridge. It's true. It's true. Brooke's response here or, you know, the it's tricky territory to wade into. I think Brooke's response here is informed by like trauma that she has from past relationships. Um, not to like just be an armchair psychologist or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, she I'm is kind of shrugging at you, but I'd love to know what, what I'd love to know more she about. She has this. talked on this show about, and she will in fact talk in a moment about um, feeling like she's not quite enough for people or people are, you know, uh, love her up to a certain point or whatever. Um, mm it is really not my job to like <laughs> pull this stuff apart. This is, well, I guess it kind of is. Uh, I think there are things in her past that have been hinted at um, to do with her family and to do with her past relationships that speak to like when something like this comes up, she can freeze up a little bit or, you know, maybe she is, uh, she's a planner, you know, and when the, the planning is complicated like this, it, makes it hard for her to you know agree to it yeah okay um i don't know the whole thing is so complicated i'm just like i want to give both of them so much space to feel this yeah. stuff out yeah i hear you the way that i read into this was that brooke has a model for this being that brooke alicia and glenn are pretty tight. Oh, yeah. And when COVID happened last year, Alicia packed up her life and moved to fucking Perth. And now her and Glenn are getting married. Mm. You know, mm. like, and things have been fine. That's true. At least from the outside, you know, yeah. like, I'm sure that that is a hard thing to do. And I don't want to take anything away from the experience of packing up your life and moving far, far away. Mm. But look. Here are these people who met on the show mm. and who lived in these opposite parts of the country and who are like, well, look, it's going to take some sacrifice from both of us, but we'll just make it work. Yeah. 
And they have, and it's been nice, and Brooke has been privy to that. Mm. And what Brooke is hearing, I think, in this situation is, ah, look, if you come to me, it'll be fine. Um, uh, Even then, only for maybe some amount of time. It's really hard because you watched it with your friends play out in an entirely different way if both parties are willing to come to the party. Yeah. I also feel like, A... Like, have you been to WA is a question that pops up (laughs) on a very basic level of just like, do you actually know what you're like putting your foot down about? Which like, I think you should be entitled to, but Mm. like, it would be good to like be, you know, or at least even if you don't want to do it, like, well, I don't know. We'll talk about it more later. Let's get through the recap of this. Yeah. Um. You know, Brooke says, uh, but only on conditions. And I didn't I didn't come here to fall in love on conditions, right? I came here to find love unconditional. Sick. Good fucking line. Um do incredible you know, line. Do you know how much that takes me back to previous relationships where they're just gonna be like, Oh, I love you, but she stands up and walks away from Holly, she pulls her mic cable out and she's sobbing. Uh, we cut to commercial. After the break, we see Holly standing with a masked producer telling them, I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want this conversation to go this way. Producer asks if they can work it out. And she says, I don't know. I, I don't want to sit here and tell her that I'll change my mind. There's potential here. There is, but I don't know. Do you know, um, it, for me, the funniest part about this was I just couldn't work out who the mass producer was. <laughs> you were trying to read all the clues. And it was Ben Lee. <laughs> you were thinking like, oh, it's got to be Harry Styles. Oh, it's definitely yeah. like Miley Cyrus. You know, they already guessed like the world's most famous people. <laughs> infuriating show. Yeah. Incredible. Incredibly infuriating show. No, look, this was horrifying yeah. uh, and sad and real. And the thing that I want to say about this, this is the first queer breakup that I have seen on TV that from the outside fucking feels like one. Mm. You, like, um, I have never experienced this in the media and I suppose in my own life Mm. I don't know I've never had queer friends go through a monumental breakup Mm. I grew up in a small town you know where if you were young and queer probably at the time you had the good sense to hide it until you had moved away for reasons of your own safety Mm. Mm. all of which is to say like I'm a man who doesn't have necessarily lived examples of watching this and who's also enmeshed in modern media yeah. and you can point to whatever example that you like what's the ur text here is it queer as folk you know like um are you the one bold type gray's anatomy all of these things that where uh there are portrayals of queer relationships but i don't know necessarily that at least from the outside I have ever watched something that felt as real Mm. as this breakup did that explained or that presented so much to me as an outsider that I was like, fuck, you know, like, for example, as a counterpoint, Grey's Anatomy, the two women break up because one of them saws the other one's leg off. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Spoiler of it, yeah. Oh, look, if you've watched nine purpose? seasons of Grey's Anatomy, yeah. Uh, well, look, they had a they had a plane accident. There was a whole thing. Oh, okay. Uh, do, do you know what I mean, though? Like, this is like people no, having yeah, an totally. actual genuine break. And for reasons of representation, for reasons of this being real. Yeah. And, like, for this, I don't think having existed on at least reality TV mm. in quite this way ever, ever before, and for it to be imbued with this much, like, 
real drama and this is what you were speaking to before mm. like the actualities of our human lives being so much more interesting than whatever staged like david sent the flowers yeah 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 in the co- like yeah and i think that stuff really jumps out like just after this where they're sort of comforting each other yeah 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 you know like brooke brooke approaches her because she's having this freak out and she's going like she has some more they both are yeah well true yeah um but then they they hug and Holly sobs into her shoulder and says, "I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I never wanted you to feel like compared to her last relationships. I just, uh, I just, uh, and now I'm sorry that you're the one having to comfort me. That's not fair." Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And Brooke says, "I feel like in my mind, I don't want you to 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 make you sacrifice anything that you don't want to. I just came here looking for something, and I have to stick to my guns. And I just don't really know if we can get over this." And they like forgive one another and they embrace. And it is very like, you know, two queer women like caring about each other and understanding mm-hmm, how much mm-hmm. they have both put into this thing. Um, and, how much they feel. Yeah. And Brooke ITMs to say goodbye sucks because I'm left with those feelings still. I still care for her. Holly ITMs that she is devastated. It's not how she pictured any of this ending. Um, very heartbreaking. Like truly particularly given how this conversation went um you know i i i was i was upset with holly on wednesday night i will i will say that like i my my perspective on this has changed over the last few days i felt pretty strongly at the time that this was a sheltered white lady whose ignorance was showing you know and like mm. just on the level that like she's still not showing adequate respect to brooke as an indigenous woman with a connection to country yeah, and like I mean, that's the other thing about it, isn't it? Right, like that 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 is you know that's still there, you know, and and she's you know she doesn't want to leave the insular fucking northern beaches, right? She went on the weaving date. She had time to think about it. Mm. She arrived with still no to where you come from. Yeah, if you want to read it that way, more power to you. I think that there is nuance. Yeah, exactly. I also don't want to take any of that a fucking way because it is present. Right. Yeah. I. I on some level, I still kind of feel that way. Although I would hope that at this point, like now, as we are talking, she has reflected on that element a little bit. She's come to terms with the situation. She has done some thinking and some. She knows whose country she's on. That kind of thing. Um, but you know, I I I have to say that I have respect for her for standing her ground in a power dynamic yep. that is really stacked against her. Yep. Um, for not lying and saying that she would consider doing something that she wasn't willing to do just to get further ahead in the game or, you know, just, just mm-hmm. for it to end badly a little bit down the line. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I guess I was just expecting her to have a bit more reason behind it or express that a little more or whatever, which is like a big ask for this very charged moment. But like, I can think of reasons why I might not want to be in WA and I would probably say them, you know, which is not really a focus on what she's doing here. She's just like, I can't picture myself there. Yeah. But I feel like, let's say hypothetical example right now, when we're shooting this, we're in the middle of COVID cases ramping up again with the Delta strain starting to spread, you know, this is something I might say hypothetically. So if I was living in what is the most isolated part of the country, Whilst in the fucking world, was, the most isolated city in the world. Right. Whilst that was happening, that could have so-and-so consequences for me, right? You know, like, I'd be away from my support structure, borders could close, yada, yada. 
Uh-huh. I mean, that's just one it has example a model for this. It's all. It's, yeah, look. Obviously, I it, would, it. Yeah. it would probably require some like new COVID variant to enter Australia for it to really <laughs> matter long term. But how likely is that to happen? <laughs> but you know, like I don't know. I'm just I I want I want Holly. When I watched the scene back, I I wanted Holly to uh, go ten percent further in just being like. Um, you know, I either ten percent back and go like I can't picture my life in WA, but you know I would be willing to take a trip there with you and see what you like about the place or whatever, or uh-huh. to go ten percent further and go you know these are the reasons why I can't picture myself in WA because they have to exist. Right, when, right. When what we're missing is the why. Yeah, and maybe it is just like I would be really far from my family and friends and everybody that I know, um, mm. whereas you making a trip somewhere else, you know, you're a more connected person than I am. You have friends in Melbourne, you know, like Melbourne and Sydney are a lot closer. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Look, the other part of it is, as you say, this is a very charged moment. And I bet that it is also particularly charged by the weight of knowing firstly, how real this seems to have been between them, Mm. how we are making history and how this is on fucking TV. Do you know what I mean though? Like this is, probably not lost on them how momentous the portrayal of this moment and the hypothetical portrayal on television i don't think is lost on either of these women true you know and that also has to play into this and there's probably an amount of push and pull from from holly's side and i find myself doing this where i'm like fuck but if i was on holly's side of things maybe i'd feel this where like probably wouldn't want to give necessarily everything away because the power dynamic and the structural imbalance is so that if you know that this relationship is ending, they can twist yeah, any reason, whatever particular, like there are so, it's so nuanced and so complicated. And that's what makes this, I think, one of the most powerful breakups yeah. in televised batchy history. And I believe that Holly will know in her mind that she will get an opportunity to clarify this stuff after the show because the world of The Bachelorette and the world of social media are very closely linked. So as we say goodbye to Holly Langford, we look at her Instagram and her heartbreaking exit netted her an impressive 5,023 new followers this week bringing her grand total new followers since preseason to 9,129. Kind of low. It's not necessarily what you would want to go through all that heartbreak for. Yeah, and you've you got all the way to top three. I know. Pretty yeah. rough. Anyway, look, we love you, Holly. I'm so happy for her and, and Millie. It's good for them. Yeah. Um. Like, I don't, you know, as much as I'm like... The cultural situation, which we'll get into again pretty soon. I'm just like a little disappointed in everybody. Uh, I don't necessarily want the worst for anyone no, either. No, you know? yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's let's talk about the Bachelorette Australia season seven episode twelve, the finale. <laughs> too much of a whisper. I think Asha knows the the cutoff point better than I do. That's a man who knows his hurts. Mm. Speaking of Asha. He addresses the camera to set the stage for anybody who has just tuned in for the first time. He doesn't really have a lot of new info to add. He describes David as handsome, charming, and steadfast, and Jamie Lee as dazzling, intriguing, and adventurous. One interesting thing that he does point out that I hadn't really considered is this. 
He says, this is history and you are a part of it. <sighs> I really think they could have oh, mentioned shit. that a bit earlier, to be honest. We're really hitting. We're really <laughs> hitting the beat, aren't we? It's good. Like, it's good. Sure. They're doing it and they're making sure that they're hitting the beat. They, the second half of this season, they've really taken their foot off the gas with the with the with like all yeah. of that stuff. I'll give him one. Yeah, exactly. He's allowed one. Uh, we get some ponder shots as Brooke walks barefoot across a beach. Uh, I would say that this is the foot content that Brooke's been looking for, although I don't know if seeing your own feet is exactly how it works. Someone can write in, I'm sure. Uh, Brooke narrates an extensive recap of both Jamie Lee and David's greatest hits, including footage from Jamie Lee's intruder entrance on Nick Cummins' Bachelor season and David's first impression rose winning three sp- Three Wishes speech from night one. Then we see Brooke sit on a couch, open up a laptop, and check in with Pete, the father figure in Brooke's life, who you might remember from the Honey Badger hometown date. Pete says, hi, Brooke. I'm talking from Guambagain in Baladong country, your country. I'd like to have been over there, but I'm not able to, so I thought I'd send this message. I'd like to sit down and meet some of the people you've met, play a bit of guitar, and talk their ears off. I hope you've found a really special person because there's a lot of life out there waiting for you and you deserve it. You deserve a nice solid home base to grow a family and with lots of grannies. I want you to know that your mum and your grandmom are with you and they'd be very proud of everything you've done and where you're going. Prayers with you and all the prayers of your family and friends over here with you and God bless. And like, oh, Brooke is like the tears are just like leaping off her face. It's so nice. It's so nice. They look, the moment is not lost on either of them. Yeah. Brooke uh is really touched by it. And I think like not to be cynical or whatever, but like, you know, just no, not I I don't mean like cynical. I just mean like um the only perspective that I can really view this through is like as a viewer. And as a viewer, this just makes you really cemented in how meaningful all of this is and this decision and, you know, everything that she has been through. Like, Yeah, look, there's no cynicism to that. It is just awareness of the moment that we are in. Yeah. Uh, Since Brooke is unable to have family here to help with her decision, she ITMs, I have called in two incredibly strong powerhouse women to take on that role. And we learn moments later that these incredibly strong powerhouse women are none other than Bachelor Season 7 runner-up, TV host, social media sensation, very cool person. I think maybe she has a podcast, Abby Chatfield, who we have talked about basically every week on this show for many years, right? Uh, Incredible uh, staying power. True. Uh, as well as another fucking incredible person named Amy Tunig, a Gomeroy woman, education, academic, PhD candidate, a very cool person. And I think maybe she has a podcast. She does have a podcast. I, like, I, I, I was trying to make a bit about how I believe that this is our podcast is the only podcast on the Internet. Uh, but it's not a very funny bit. Brooke tells Amy and Abby that they will be meeting David first, who got the first impression rose after wooing her the first night, to which Abby says, we love a woo. We love an initial woo. Uh, Great line. Followed by Jamie Lee, with whom a friendship has blossomed into a relationship. 
Abby and Amy are sufficiently excited. And when Brooke leaves to grab David, Amy says she looks so loved up. And Abby says she's definitely in love with at least one of them. And Amy says she's got that deep joy. Abby says, yeah, the deep joy. Uh, can't relate. Okay. Very funny. Give it a few weeks. You'll be dating yeah, her Yeah, give it a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll know what this joy <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, it's the joy of Christmas. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. Amy starts by asking David about locations. David says, I've been in Brizzy for my whole life since I moved from England. I didn't know about that. Me neither. Uh, I'm pretty open to moving, but a few things I have to sort out first. David just says, I'm pretty open to moving. There's a few things I have to sort out first, but they're like, yeah, okay, sure. And they establish that he's going to make it work. It's like no big deal at all. They're like, oh, cool. You'll be the winner. Yeah, exactly. Um, Abby remarks on the fact that David and Brooke seem super loved up. ITMing, it's cute, I guess. It's just like a lot to handle. I don't know if it's it's a lot, like if that sentence has any significance. I, I, I would probably know... Because I listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm very, I'm very media literate in general. Actually, thanks to the study mm. that I did for my Bachelor of Arts degree. Mm. <clears throat> Amy pulls David aside for a one-on-one -on -one chat, itming that she is hoping that Brooke's partner will have some good racial literacy and is across matters that are important to Brooke, including her sovereignty, her strong cultural connections, and community. And I'm yes, like, babes. fucking yes. She asked David how he is with his cultural literacy in general. Like, for example, do you know whose land you live on? David says, no. Amy says, so you don't so, know that? And David says, no, no. And so Amy says, so it would take dating an Aboriginal woman for you to start to consider that you live on Aboriginal land. And I'm like, oh, that's a home run. David replies, it's just something I haven't given too much thought to. I don't know what that is. Maybe immaturity. I've never really taken the time to understand and appreciate as much as I should have. But I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to be a part of it all. I think it's important regardless. I'd love to learn about it. This really shocked me when we were watching it. I was like pretty flabbergasted. Yeah. Um, I agree with Amy in the sense that David does seem pretty good natured about it um, and like open to it. And I guess like if you just flatly reject everybody who is uneducated on something or ignorant or hasn't taken the opportunity to learn or whatever, then things are going to stay the same. Right. You know, and the, and the dominant culture is going to stay dominant and unchallenged. Yes. So, yes, it is good that he is willing to do the work like minimal as it is. OK, I want to. Emphasize the difference between willing to, which is what he said first, and love to, yeah. which is what he said second. Yeah. And he really came around pretty quick. Yeah, it's true. That's uh, important. And I think that that's good good for David. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I imagine he probably got the sense that willing to was not quite the answer that he needed, and then he, there you he go. added a little gas Something to about it. the way that Amy Tunig looks at you yeah. when you say that you don't know whose land that you're on. Mm. Makes you feel like maybe you got to try again. Yeah. I do want to talk quickly and enter my little conspiracy corner here um, and just talk very briefly about the timelines here. Okay. So, okay. Like, I'm willing to believe David has never seen Brooke on The Bachelor shows before, 
or, you know, because I'm not sure if she's talked specifically about that before or like, you know, maybe he has never watched her TED talk or seen any of her advocacy or whatever. Like that's, I get it. You know, that's fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, David didn't get a chance to talk to Brooke about her mob on their two dates together. I can understand that as well. You know, um, as Brooke says, she doesn't like wear it on a badge or whatever, you know, like it's not always going to come up. What we learn from this show time and time again is that two dates, you can't have talked about every single thing. Right. And it's not like he could just check her Instagram bio. There's no phones in the mansion that I will buy as well. However, this season started filming in mid to late June of 2021. We know this from paparazzi photos of the photo shoot group date in episode two. which took place on June 22nd. And Brooke was publicly announced as the Bachelorette on May 20th, over a month before that. So that seems to me like there's a full month there where you could Google it, right? Yeah. Even if you're in hotel quarantine for a while, even if producers are trying to keep you off your phone, that can't have been a whole month. if you're in hotel quarantine for a while. Well, hotel quarantine, what the fuck else are you doing? Yeah. Right. Uh, So, you know, did he... Did he know Brooke was the lead before applying to come onto the show? Not sure. But, like, this feels like some pretty basic knowledge if you did or were able to find out or something. Yeah. I don't know. The The thing is, like, you know, on on some level, it's like, you don't... Ne- I don't... I don't expect or even necessarily want all the contestants to have, like, done background research on the lead or whatever. No. Um, But, you know, this is, like pretty basic or maybe maybe the part that that frustrates me more is that he doesn't know what land he lives on that's kind of it right like if you can say look i don't know that brooke is you know of the noongar people from baladon country Mm. okay but at least say well look i grew up on bundjalung land and i now reside on meandrin probably if he's in the city yeah yeah i don't know i think it's just uh a blind spot for a huge part of Australia or, you know, why? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Look, and the tweets that, you know, Matilda from the guardian who was on our podcast a few weeks ago sent about this, you know, positioning all of white Australia cringing and then Googling quickly to find out whose yeah. land that yeah. they are on. Yeah. Rings pretty true. Yeah. Um, but David, he, you know, he does, he gets off better than, uh, than Jamie Lee, which we'll talk about again. Yeah, he does. There's, I don't know. It makes me think of the amount of empathy, of understanding, of patience that the First Nations people of our country have to exhibit Yeah. for 
well-meaning white people who are, look fucking I'm a well-meaning white person. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. uh who who don't know enough, who can do more, who can be more and who don't have the literacy, but when presented with that are like, "No, but I want to learn." Yeah. And that's kind of how David came across to me. I feel like look I would have liked him to know more. I would have liked him to have just a basic amount of knowledge about whose land he's currently on or whose land he lives on. Mm. But with that he doesn't, it's a credit to it's a credit to Amy, it's a credit to Brooke for showing the compassion and the empathy and the understanding for the fucking colonial zeitgeist that they shouldn't have to. Yeah. And I guess this is the core push and pull of it. Yeah, I have a bit more on this when we uh, please, please, when we yeah. talk about uh, Jamie Lee. Amy also brings up that Brooke is pansexual, which is actually not a term that we've heard Brooke use to describe herself for a little while, which is interesting. Yeah, um, Asha referred to Brooke as bisexual at the start of the episode, so there's clearly, you know, some element of confusion here. Unless maybe, like, I don't know, maybe she's come out differently to different people in her life, which is very normal. Who can say, you know, there's probably also an element of uh, commercial television going, well, we can understand the gender binary, but we can't understand what a what a pansexual yeah, might be. True. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, a... there's, there's all kinds of fucking, yeah. um, we're trying to make a commercial show out of something that is uh, or has been up until this point uh, fringe within the reality genre. For sure. Um, Amy says, if you don't mind me asking, do you identify as straight? To which David says he is. <laughs> and then but then i'm okay whatever i'm just kidding um but then i'm curious about what happens here i actually was quite like i was having trouble figuring out exactly what what is being meant by what happens here so amy, uh -huh. amy says have you thought that through like as a dot 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 and then david says i have and she says okay david says i just don't think it matters like that's not worrying me at all is my honest answer I love that she's open about everything and it doesn't scare me. I guess like the tone of this answer seems to me that he thinks that Amy is asking whether Brooke's queerness is a concern to him, which yeah. like it just shouldn't be, you know, like right, I, right, I'd be right. surprised if he was here at, at this point, if that was going to be a problem. Yeah, and that's, I feel like, the answer that he gives as well yeah. in response to that question. I thought maybe the question was going to be, like, there's going to be some skepticism about this relationship in the public eye. Brooke is a queer person who would be entering a relationship with you, a straight man who presumably doesn't have a lot of experience navigating that kind of discourse or that kind of environment. How are you, uh -huh. or, you know, whatever, how are you prepared? How to, are you going yeah. to support her? What's your game plan for that? That sort of thing. Are you going to step up? I don't know. Maybe I just misread it. Maybe David misread it. It, feel, it felt like, like they were on the same page. They, it didn't seem like, you know, I'm sure Amy, yeah. if she was dissatisfied, she would have been like, let me finish, you know? Right, right, right. Let me ask you in a different way or whatever it happens to be. Hmm. In this case, yes, I read it in much the same way as you did like have you thought this through you are aware that you will be entering into a queer relationship do you know what that will mean for you and the way that david answered the question at least for me whether you are reading it as like is that a problem for you or have you thought about 
what this might mean for your life. I think David answered in a pretty satisfactory way. And the response from Amy, at the very least, suggests to me that maybe we didn't see all of it, right? Yeah. Maybe there's parts of this that were that were cut out and a deeper conversation that was that was had. And I want to give David the benefit of of that doubt, particularly yeah. Yeah. in this in this episode. Uh, it is now Abby's turn to chat to David, and she asks, how do you feel about Brooke? Essentially, like, give me your current rating, like, give me the temperature check on the linguistic scale of Batchy progress, you yes. know? Uh, yep. To which he says, I've been head over heels for her for a while. I've Good. been definitely falling in love with her. I Good. feel like that is a really interesting fusion of past and future tense. Oh, been definitely I have been sin. I have been going to, like, yeah, it's crazy. I, I love it. I have been going to. It's like <laughs> I've been meaning to fall in love with her. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, just when you are communicating something that is so loaded semantically as as this in this environment, um, this is the, these are the most important words of the season, right? You know, when it, oh, when it comes down to how I mean, they say Unless they're spoken to Brooke's face. Right. Yes, they're the most important words of the season. Yeah. Um, but then he clarifies, I've definitely fallen in love with Brooke. This is what I like about David, yeah. is that even though he's not quite there, he gets there. Yeah. And then Abby says, so you do love her. Like, I love this because they're working together on it. Oh, absolutely. It's like they're both chipping away at the marble of jargon to find the like <laughs> the sculpture of, of love underneath. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Great. Uh, David says he's going to tell Brooke he loves her if she picks him. And Abby says, why? That's so unfair. I don't oh, like that's that. That's so good. That's so good. That right. Great producing, Abby. Oh, Abby's the best. I love this so much. She goes, that right moment is not finale. You can't hold it like it's a little carrot and be like, well, if she picks me, then I'll tell her I love her. It's good. It's really good. The whole point of being vulnerable and open is that you tell them. I told Matt top three, grow up. And yeah. I still lost. But you know what? On the plane home, I was crying and I thought, at least I told him I loved him. And I did love him. All of this is so good. Oh, incredible. Like, it's also so much validation and narrative for previous seasons. Yeah. For, like, weird little beavers like us who are like, <laughs> give me more information. Well, Abby is just so, she is so experienced in talking about this experience. Oh, I, for sure. That word too many times in that sentence. Uh, but, like, you know, she she has done a podcast a very popular podcast for a very long time where she talks about this shit constantly so she is just fucking good at it she's great and she's very in touch with her own like narrative and uh just communicates this perfectly i at, at this point i'm just like how in the hell did they get her to come back on the show which is not an answer i necessarily know yeah because like she didn't yeah. have a good time <laughs> you know i mean well, that's the other had, part of she, it but was this is someone who knows it, but what's good for her in terms of where she came from, the fans that love her, and also, like, the ability to craft an arc. Mm. It was just so satisfying as a as a oh, viewer. It was great. It was fantastic. Um, anyway, it seems like Abby and Amy are pretty fond of David after all this. Abby says they just seem like they're already together. Amy tells Abby that was a lot. Which I have to assume is just like a callback to that thing that <laughs> Abby said in her ITM a few minutes ago. I don't know. I'm not sure. Now it is time for Jamie Lee to meet the incredibly strong powerhouse women. Jamie Lee asks how everybody knows each other. And Abby says, through The Bachelor, although we learn that Brooke also actually asked Abby on a date, 
Um, in Brooke's words, she rejected me twice, which Abby denies, saying it was during peak COVID and they were on opposite sides of the country. <laughs> this is so fun. It's such a huge fucking queer vibe. As I posted on Twitter, everybody has dated everybody. Um, and just like in real life, everyone's pretty chill about it. It's just like fun. Mm. Having a good time here. With a good mood set, it's time for Jamie Lee to chat to Abby. Abby asks why Jamie Lee waited to apply for the show to shoot her shot. Jamie Lee basically says she wanted to give Brooke her chance with Nick on their season, even though she did have feelings for her in the mansion. And, you know, it's just basically never been the right time between then and now. She was dating somebody. Brooke was dating somebody. It never made sense until now. Convenient, but whatever. Um, sure. Jamie Lee says it would be hard for her to be friends with Brooke if they don't end up together. Which is, it's tough to hear. I mean, obviously knowing that they don't end up together, but also just like they've been friendly for a few years at this point. Um, it's It sucks that this is like the climax of that and, and it, that's going to end it, you know? Um, but I can understand it. And now it is Amy's turn. And again, she starts by asking, how across Indigenous issues and truths and histories would you say you are? And Jamie Lee's answer leaves a little to be desired. Uh, she says, I guess I am as privy to it as I can be. Uh, no. And then Amy asks. No. I remember sitting on the couch with you and just being like, no. I'm like, I can't wait for her to back that up. That's going to be. Because mm. here's the thing. Just don't say it. Just say just like. Don't say that to someone who knows what they're talking right. about. Just literally just what say like. What about this woman suggests to you that she does not know what she's talking about? No matter who you're talking to, I feel like the safe answer is like, I could always know more. Or like, you know, like or you can the experience of learning answer. this yeah. shit will yep. last me the rest of my life. Or, you know. Without a doubt. You don't there wanna... are so many safe answers that you can give. In this case, don't bullshit this woman. Yeah, yeah. Not her. Yeah. Um, so Amy asks, so you live in the Sydney region. So if I said to you, whose land are you on? You'd be able to tell me? To which Jamie Lee says, no. Amy. No. So Amy asks. You know the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation. I you know so. them. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that it is uh, not information that is necessarily given to everybody because of the power structures that are still in place. Um, and, you know, like... A lot of white Australia has a real problem with with the the colonial history and with the original owners of this land existing. And yes. um, there is there is at least in some parts of this country a real concerted effort to make that knowledge not available. But as a young person who wants to be involved with a First Nations woman, fucking no. Yeah. Fucking know your shit. Yeah. That's all yeah. And same for David. Right. Um, Amy asks, do you know who Brooke's mob is? And Jamie Lee says, no. And in ITM, Amy is especially surprised because Brooke and JL have three years of history, which makes sense. Jamie Lee pivots and admits to Amy that she doesn't know enough after all. Um, Amy whoops. says, yeah, whoopsie doopsie. Amy whoops. says, it's concerning for me to say, uh, f sorry, Amy says, it's concerning to me for you to say that you're across something that I would consider a basic piece of information of whose land you're on. And that's the core of it, really, is that, you know, instead of being upfront about it and saying you don't know, but you're keen to change it, like we've been talking about, she's showing her ass by saying that she knows a fair bit. 
Because I'm like, what actually do you know? It makes it seem as though you don't understand why knowing it is important, which yeah. is worse than not knowing. You Like, not knowing that knowing matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, like to... Do you think... Uh, it, it's... <laughs> It's so exasperating because did Jamie Lee think that her saying, yeah, I know as much as I can or as much as I can be privy to mm. was going to be the end of the conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. that's not where this ends. Yeah. Yeah. There are going to be follow-up questions. Right. If you are not aware that there are going to be follow-up questions, I have so many follow-up questions for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, in ITM, Jamie Lee says she's stuffed up and she wants to say the right thing and show that she has good intentions, but she doesn't no. know how to answer it. No. And that's not the vibe, you know? Oh, I'm so... Like, that was the point in the episode where I felt actual anger, you know? It's yeah. not like, oh, I've done the wrong thing and I've said the wrong thing. You didn't, and I like, know that say the, the wrong, wrong mob name. You didn't say, like, you didn't mispronounce it or something. Yeah. You demonstrated that you have never taken the time to know this. And you pretended that you did. Right. Um, And, and the fact that she's like, oh, I want to show that I have good intentions. I'm like... I get that you feel like you do, but like you don't get credit for getting this right when you didn't say anything or when you, you know, yeah. like it's, it's just when doesn't work that to way. Know and then you didn't know. Right. Yeah. Like all of this is, is so complex. If you mm. own, if she'd simply owned her shit, this would be a different, very different conversation. Totally. Um, it just doesn't seem very good. Um, Amy, yeah. Amy is approaching this with a very delicate touch. Amy is, is doing a phenomenal job at processing that that she is encountering a woman who realizes that she's stuffed up and still seems to just be concerned with the optics and using this as a moment to educate right. and imbue the deeper meaning. And that is what is powerful about this scene, I think. Right. Because as much as this moment and this scene and this episode is about David and Jamie Lee and Brooke, it is also about the people watching at home. And I think in that sense, this was really well handled. Amy went out of her way to protect the feelings of both David and Jamie Lee. Didn't want to embarrass them. So good. Because, so right, good. because it's very difficult to use shame as a motivator. And if the message for people at home is like, you should feel bad if you don't already know this, that's a little harder to swallow. And it's a lot harder to make people like, do something or think about it or make a change than if yep. the less the the lesson or the message is like it's never too late to increase your cultural literacy and the learning and the unlearning are both processes that last a lifetime and that are both valid yeah and yeah. look so much of this was just sensitive in the way that it was delivered and i think that that is true of the entire season yeah you know this was handled really properly i think by 10 in the way that it simply presented the real logistics of relationships that have never been presented right. to a mass media consuming audience on a fucking major television network in australia yeah and again never it's before. that it's that incredible element that we were talking about with some of the moments of like queer intimacy or whatever in uh -huh. the sense that um, you, it's a sneak attack, right? Or, or you know, I don't want to oh, yeah. describe it as an attack or whatever, but like when you sit down to watch a show like this, you're expecting a certain thing. And when something like this comes up within the confines of that show, 
it is an incredible payoff because it is a, it is getting to people who normally wouldn't or who couldn't or wouldn't, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're, not to put words in your mouth, but I think what you're saying is that it's, you can imagine a situation in which that could be interpreted as a sneak attack. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or for someone to be watching this and to be watching their fucking standard batchy fare yeah. and to feel attacked by this. And this was not attacking. And yeah. that is so deft in the way that it has been executed. Yeah. But also I just mean like this is being presented to people who aren't expecting it, you know? Yep. And it's not, yep. it's not an attack, but it is, uh, it's like, it is disguised, you know, this, this moment of incredible like cultural conversation is disguised within the shell of, a romance reality TV show that necessarily yes. doesn't yes. in its nature have anything to do with like racial politics or, you know, the convict history of the land that we live on or anything like that. But, yeah. you know, if you can sneak it in within that, you don't have to, you don't have to only talk to people who are watching like a documentary on SBS or whatever, you know, like right, it's not right. just you people have who- some peas in your fucking in mashed potato or right. whatever. Totally. Yeah. It's the bolognese sauce. It's mostly fucking like chopped up mushrooms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's some of that in there that feels real, uh, not to extend the meat metaphor, but juicy. Yeah. 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 You know, the other thing that I want to shout out here is that also we posted a tweet that was just screen caps of what Amy was saying. And the caption that you wrote was, holy shit, yes. And it, it, look, there are a lot, of, a lot of people who got around this tweet. It's like one of our on most successful tweets it. ever because we didn't add any of our own personality We added no it. commentary. <laughs> I just want to say I've found a really wonderful solution to dealing with people who want to be vitriolic online. Yeah, yeah. And that is simply apologizing to them. <laughs> so sorry that you felt that way. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, so mate. so I'm so sorry that that was too woke for you, as one man said to us. Yeah, like the amount of uh, I don't know, confusion and borderline goodwill that you can engender. Like honestly, when I think about how much we hurt those people's feelings by posting screen caps with nothing out, like just <laughs> it was on yep. TV. Yep. Talk to them. <laughs> Look. This is the exact thing. If you want to infuriate or even better, confuse someone Mm. who is upset online, Mm. flat apology. I promise you. And the the dumber that you can make it, even better. Typos, get their name wrong. Typos, the whole bit. Like you just want to go the whole hog Mm. and you want this person to feel like, sorry? (laughs) That's my social media hot tip for the week. Very good. Brooke shows Jamie Lee out, and it's time for the trio of incredibly strong powerhouse women to debrief. Both of them seem nice and personal, but they score... Sorry, I'll try that again. They agree that both of them seem nice and personable, but they scored pretty low marks on cultural knowledge. And especially with Jamie Lee, who's had three years longer than David to learn about Brooke. Yeah. You know, does she actually know... Brooke, does she actually like Brooke or does she just like the idea of her? This is, yeah, kind of the thing that Katie was talking about on the podcast last last week. Yeah. And if uh, 
you haven't gone and listened to all three hours of that <laughs> podcast, well, boy, have I got some homework Once for you. Once you get done with the three hours of this podcast. Yeah, this is going to be a long one yeah, too, isn't it? we got to rush to it. They mentioned that Jamie Lee has been following Brooke for years and she has her mob in her Instagram bio, which is like, whew, that's not ideal. Not great. Yeah. Um, Abby also raises that maybe David will have trouble making the logistics work or something. Except, like, he's very willing to do that. He's made that very clear. Total false equivalence. They don't spend any more time on it at all. I'm just like, I wonder if Abby was asked to, like, try and balance it out a little bit here. Or, like, Abby had... You know what? I don't think she was asked to balance it out a little bit here. I think they were were just shooting stuff with Abby, and they were like, what are the pros and cons of each of them? And then they just selected that one con. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot. It feels selectively edited, this segment. Yeah. Um, They also include this bit where Amy and Abby are both going to count to three and say the name of the person that Brooke should end up picking. And then they go one, two, three, and then the shot cuts away. Wait, no, I feel like I saw this. What do you mean? I Did don't know. When I watched the... it back, like when I watched it back on 10 play, they were like one, two, three. And then in unison, they said, I had feelings for Eleanor that I've actually never <laughs> felt for anyone in my life. She gave me butterflies every morning when I saw her. I'd be talking about that. Let's continue. Yes, very good. Um, it, I do think it's weird because like if they had have said different people, because I'm certain that they did not. I'm yes. certain that they both said David. If they had have said different people, they would have they would have used it, right? They, that would Definitely. have made the cut. But because they've yep. said David, they're like, oh shit. But I'm like, just don't show the ramp up to it. I don't. It, yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, anyway, time for one final date each, and up first is Jamie Lee. We watch Brooke and Jamie Lee make out for a while before a helicopter arrives and touches down in front of them. Jamie Lee has never been on a helicopter before, despite having been through one and a half seasons of this show. That feels unrealistic. It's impossible. Uh, but they stay in the air for about 20 seconds of screen time because there is no lucrative tourism deal for this season of the show. So they don't need to show off the like outer suburbs of Sydney any more than they already do, you know? Right, right, right. Discover pristine Parramatta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, greetings from scenic... Barrington Tops. <laughs> Here we are at Maroubra. <laughs> uh, when they touch down, there are two Super 73 branded electric scooter things. Are they? Yeah. What are? So Jamie Lee describes them as, quote, what look like motorbikes. We're getting into the part of the night that I don't <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, these things don't look cool like a motorbike traditionally does. Uh, no, and once I'm picturing they, a Segway in my mind. Yeah, like once they get on board, they seem to go about 10 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm, they give off mm-hmm. like big lime scooter vibes. Yeah, there's a mountain of Paul Blart Mall cop in here too, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's just something about it seems coin operated, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, and Brooke ITMs, I have never laughed so hard in my life like on a bike, <laughs> which is <laughs> so specific. Great line. Really. We then cut immediately to the night portion. What? These fucking slow bikes weren't interesting enough? Um, Where Brooke is wearing an incredible jumpsuit. One of my favorite outfits of the season. It looks like she is literally on fire. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lee has already uttered the sacred incantation. So she wants to use this time to get rid of any doubt that might exist within Brooke's mind. Yep. 
get it out of the way early, then you can just do tidy up. It's good. Fuck it off. Um, she asks if Brooke has any questions or reservations about the two of them. And Brooke delicately raises Amy's suggestion that Jamie Lee might just like the idea of Brooke more than who she actually is. Um, mm. She says, uh, what does she say? Like what, what you are, not who you are, which is really good. I think a good distinction. Um, Brooke says that she would have sort of expected Jamie Lee out of anybody to know certain basic things about her that are really important. Um, and Jamie Lee says, it's something she wants to learn more about and she will learn more about it. And she says, quote, I hope that I show you that I love finding out more about you and learning about you because I care and because I love you. But she does say, I love you again. And Brooke says, say it again. And JL says, I love you. And they kiss. She says, I just come back to the letter that I wrote that what will be will be. And I truly believe that. And I truly feel that this is going to be one of the hardest goodbyes and you know that she's talking about the end of this final date, but really it's going to be the end of everything. Oof, tough stuff. It's time for the final, final date date. It's uh, David. Brooke pulls up to meet him in another vintage car. Does Brooke like vintage cars? Have we I ever, feel like maybe. Have we ever heard her talk about vintage cars at no. any point? No. I have a theory that somebody on production is just using the show as a chance to get their vintage car collection written off on tax. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, I had to get that Mustang for the uh, <laughs> for the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's a white 1996 Ford Bronco. <laughs> it's got historical significance. <laughs> what happened to that car? It was pretty impounded, right? Very hard to Maybe say. it's in a museum somewhere. Planet Hollywood. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Brooke tells David the theme for today's date is sexy. I was not aware that these dates had themes. Would you like to posit a guess for what the theme of Jamie Lee's date might have been? I... <laughs> no? <laughs> Vehicles you don't normally go in, I guess? Uh... There's a chopper and a bike thing? Anyway, they arrive at a studio which is lined with cushions and rose petals, which I'm just now realizing is actually not a very helpful descriptor because like every single location <laughs> that they go to has got plenty of both of these things i guess what what else there's some incense burning i think there's like crystals hanging around there for sure and the other thing is that there is a peaceful looking woman sitting cross-legged in the middle of the floor she is a yogini who will be taking them through some tantric yoga in other words producers have decided to take the very obvious front runner and the woman who has one more day left of fighting every instinct in her body so as to preserve the mystery of whether or not she wants to be with the very obvious front runner, both of whom are not allowed to be physically intimate while the show is filming. And they've decided to put them together and encourage them to get as close to fucking as anyone has Just ever been. As possible. Yes. Uh, also the Yogini who is guiding them will use words like ejaculation and vibration. Oh my God. This was so funny. While she coaxes them into more and more suggestive poses, asking Dava to take his shirt off, who ITMs that he's hoping he can keep his excitement levels down, so to speak. The Yogini tells them, uh, that their breathing will pull up the ejaculation through the body 
and imagine it coming out the crown of the head. And when Brooke <laughs> cracks up laughing, the Ogini Helena says, the energy will come through your body as laughter. So when Christ. I orgasm, I laugh. It's tough to tell if she is there for comedy or not, you know? I think, like, her role is, you know, she is being used comedically in the edit. However, yeah. I do feel like some of it feels genuine. I think she believes it. Yeah, like, she that's that's the part that I was wondering, is, like, does she know that we're laughing at her? Um, I don't know. I am, though. Of, I want to make that very course. clear. I'm absolutely laughing at her of in course. this situation because it feels like pseudo-spiritual nonsense. Yes, uh, but and that's because that context, they're making it seem that way as well. Like, there, absolutely. There's, there's an music, edit of this that someone thing. could have done where yes. this is taken seriously and it's, it's beautiful and very intimate and the whole thing. Right, but they yeah. did some silly music. They asked her, but like, does she normally say ejaculation that many times? You will ejaculate out the head. It what? is the dolphin's blowhole. <laughs> uh, David's what? on top of Brooke, essentially in missionary position, and Helena says, this is a making love position, one of my favorites. And it's like, it's pretty funny. Like, yeah. even if, I don't know, I can't imagine her, I don't know. She's just like staring at them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm, this is, um. I don't know, I feel like maybe she's like a sex therapist in a past life. Yeah, well, maybe that's the thing. It's like maybe you do that and this or whatever, you know, like Something depending like on the that. client yeah, or yeah. whatever. But David, I love David. I love oh. him for this because he is taking it really seriously. And, you know, it is clearly a bit silly. And I think he knows that it will be edited a bit silly, whatever. Hard to say. But he is like, he's taking it on face value and he's not shying away from the things that are like a little embarrassing about it, but he is right. also like, it's an amazing, it's an absolutely amazing bonding experience. We're just yeah. breathing. We're wrapped up in each other. I completely forget where I am. And I got feelings from Helena that I've actually ah. never been guided through by anyone in my life. <laughs> is that, I, I thought for days about how best to use that. Cause her name I think is, that was right. Yeah. Her name is Helena. I think that was, I think that was the best way to use it. You've done very well here. I wrote I do more here where it's like she'd be beautiful. talking to me and I would be busting to have sex with Brooke, and I, <laughs> I was like, oh, it gets worse from there. Ah, <laughs> uh, she'd be talking to me and I'd be ejaculating out of my head. <laughs> exactly, that's kind of where I was thinking. Yeah, uh, pretty fucking mm. good though. Do you reckon that was uh, a dog whistle directly to us? A hundred percent, like without a doubt. Just truly, either that's not her real name, and they asked her to use that name, or they yeah. cast or someone, someone specifically. Was like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Uh, we arrive at the evening portion of the date, which I believe in Australian reality TV production lingo, or at least in Australian batchy production lingo, is known as the intimacy part of the date. Uh huh. But in this example, that feels like it's the wrong way around. <laughs> it feels like we already did the intimacy part. Just yeah, then. the intimacy part has happened. Right. Um, but David ITMs that he needs to tell Brooke exactly how he feels. I would like it. This is just a crazy experimental thought. If just once the declaration of love from the very obvious favorite to win didn't have to be preceded with the phrase, I have to tell X exactly how I feel. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? If it just came as a bit of a surprise. I, yeah, exactly. Like, I just feel like that phrase, even though it's not 
we don't have the same like ladder of progression or whatever that we talk about with like, I'm going to fall in love with you. I'm falling in the, you know, that kind of thing. It is just mm. as important for some reason to the like semantic linguistic progression at the heart of this show as, as yeah, what he's if, about to say. Yeah. Because the edit has to foreshadow that he's going to tell her that he loves her. Yeah. Cause it's but like, stop that, looking at your phone. Look, it, it's going to happen. You know, I guess yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's that signifier, but I think that it might be more meaningful if it kind of happened by surprise. I agree. I agree. Um, cause otherwise, even though, cause I know the ITM obviously is shot after the fact, so yeah. they're just setting that up as a framing device or whatever. But when you expect it, it's less impactful to, at, at you know, and it feels like it makes it feel yep. fake. Even, you know, it makes it feel like you can see them winding Staged. up to it, even though the whole thing. Yeah. 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 You can kind of see the brain you know. working and the mechanics of it, which is like, I don't want to see the mechanics of your TV show. I just want to see the two people falling in love. Yeah. And, and what's more, like the mechanics of them actually working their way up to saying it when they're going to say it is really interesting. Yeah. Because it's yeah. about somebody getting the courage up to say something. But more often than not, we see them saying that they're working up the courage to say it instead of actually watching them getting up the courage. You right. know what I mean? Instead, tell me after. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just such a subtle difference between him saying, I'm about to tell Brooke that I'm in love with her mm. in whatever coded way that the show decides that that should be said. And instead having him come off the back of it and be like, fuck, I was sweating bullets when that was happening. Right. I'm so glad that she said X to my Y. Yeah. yeah. Like that is so different. And I feel like I would have so much more empathy and compassion and would find so much more meaning mm. in a scene like that. If that was also included. Yeah. Um, be real. Yeah. Producers. Yeah. Bring him Don't off be the afraid back of that to... and get him to be relieved and, and realistic. Maybe that stuff, like that specific emotion is just harder to fake or, you know, well, you don't necessarily have to fake it, but you have to get them back into that headspace. If you're producing that Voxy, you have to yeah. like get the, you know, get a genuine enough like memory in their mind or whatever. You just have to be good at your job. Yeah. Yeah. That's the long and the short of it. You have to be really good at getting someone to access that feeling. Mm and visit that place and talk to you about how they were feeling. And if you are reading questions from the script, if you have not done the legwork to be able to be in a position where this person feels comfortable around you at this point, mm. you've not done your job well. Yeah. And it makes me wonder about just on a ph philosophical level, like the way this show gets made. Cause it is just like, you know, it is a job type of show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There are certain people who work on it, who I'm sure are very passionate about it. And obviously there's a lot of passion coming from the people who are participating uh, in front of the camera. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, there's, there's a workman like, you know, uh, we've talked about this in the past, like uh, the, the structure, the fairly rigid structure of these episodes makes it feel like, you know, this is what time we're used to clocking in every day. And this is how much we can get done. And this is good enough. And this will, you know, I'm not going to lose my yeah, job exactly. over this, that type of thing. Um, it makes you wonder, like, if we gathered some of the super freaks from the Oshposting group or whatever, like, if we produced a season, the focus would be very different. Oh, my God. The gays would be just all over the place. The gays would, love it. would be all over the place if I was, <laughs> if I was put to anyway. Uh, bro, uh, David says, it was pretty clear to me early on how special you were. I genuinely think you are so beautiful, wonderful. You'd be an amazing mom. You'd be an awesome partner. And I think we'd be a really good team. Brooke begins to cry. 
And David says, yeah, I'm all in. I mean that. Might be a good time to tell you. I don't know if it's going to come out right, but I know I told you that I was falling for you, but I have well and truly fallen. And I truly believe that you are my person. And they kiss and he whispers, I love you. And Brooke says, what did you say? And then a little louder, he says, I love you. And it's pretty it's good. Nice. Yeah. It's so as nice. As much as I'm like kind of chuckling about the like, I know I told you that I was falling for you, but I have well and truly fallen. Just not like how people talk in my experience in real life. Yeah. Um, the fucking straightforwardness of this was so nice. Right. Yeah. So beautiful. And you just feel it. Like, yeah. You feel, you know, funnily enough, you actually do feel that he is he has been working up the courage to say this, you know, in the way that he delivers it. Um, mm. And yeah, it's just, it's just fucking golden, you know? Um, and then we cut to an ITM where Brooke swears, sighs, and says, I thought, you know, being in love with someone or like finding true love or finding a soulmate was this kooky shit that people used to just say. And it used to be like a fantasy. It felt so out of touch for me, but I've always felt that I wanted that. And I came here hoping to find that. I didn't expect mm. to find it. And it just hit me in the fucking face like a ton of bricks, but I love it. And I love him. And I want to say it again. I just love him. I just do. <sighs> it's lovely. Yeah. Wasn't it so nice to see this? It was so great. I, I, I saw some people getting a little bit upset about this, um, like specifically this ITM, because it does give away the ending. And I, I get oh, yeah. that. Um, especially because the last few seasons have benefited from keeping you guessing a little bit more and yeah. um if anything we have yeah if anything they have now built up the expectation that your expectations are going to be mucked with a bit more you know yep sometimes i feel like that like keeping you guessing can be really effective sometimes not so much but yeah. but i do feel like that guessing game is a bit of a crutch and i, I think it makes it feel more reality tv-ish and I think yeah. this season has never really been about that. I think the expectations are different. They kind of have been since, like, since it started, since it was announced. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just because the show has done its job properly, and I'm so bought in on Brooke's passion and her feelings about this experience, and for David, I like knowing. Mm. And mm. I also think it makes it easier to deal with what we know is going to be a pretty devastating farewell for Jamie Lee. But that's just me. Like, I, I'm curious. What do you like? How are you feeling about having it given away? I loved it. Yeah. I loved that it was given away. Yeah. I didn't care that, you know, like I was going to have the moment ruined of, of suspense. Yeah. Who cares? it's Brooke and we love Brooke and she's in love and we know who she's in love with. And this next thing, it makes it all the more heartbreaking for Jamie Lee because we know exactly what's going to happen. Mm. It's a totally different approach. Yeah. I was surprised by it in a different way. Yeah. And that for me, it was just like, fuck yeah, it was good. Yeah. And I think like um, certain seasons, like I said, it's great to have that suspense because it can be very juicy and very interesting. Um, mm. Mm. But it would have been wrong for them to try and put that in now because that hasn't been part of the, you know, at least these, these last two episodes, you know, like yeah. there was not, there was not a lot of doubt. And I don't say that just to seem smug um, for, for guessing it early or whatever. Um, no. 
Like, I think that has been a deliberate choice and a really effective one. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just one of those ones where it's like, okay, cool. Well, look, uh, the show has been shoehorning. This might be the person. Or, or let me take it in. The show has been signaling that this might be the person for yeah. some time now. And that it is. Shouldn't come as a surprise if you've been paying attention. Yeah. And guess what? We're going to fucking spoil it early and you're going to like it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we see Brooke getting ready. She's dressed in a truly astonishing final gown. It's this like, how do you even describe it? I don't know. She looks lovely, man. Yeah. It's fucking futuristic it's somehow giving me like self-titled charlie xcx albums like silky hard plastic shiny blue very designery yeah showstopper uh she also takes out both a diamond ring and a plain metal band in her hands there's like one for him and one for her it's like she's working at McDonald's. She's trying to work out if she's meant to give out the boy or the girl Happy Meal toy. <laughs> it's like, oh, the gender binary called. Mm. Uh, Jamie Lee's dress is fucking great too. It's this like Scarlet Witch moment with like, interestingly, like similar material to Brooks, but just creating this big contrast with this bright red color. Yeah. Very cool. And David is wearing a gray suit. <laughs> it's like... He looks nice. I just think it's funny. Like we have a queer lead, right? And we have a mixed gender dating pool for the first time. And so yeah. in the final two, where we have a man and a woman, we are being exposed to this dichotomy, you know, in the most extreme way here. And I think the symbolism oh, of yeah. it being represented of in the this fashion. Dress that almost feels couture. Yeah. And look, I want to say there are ways in which if you are the menswear designer for or stylist for this show, you have options beyond a gray suit. It's true. You re like, and to that end, when I see David show up in a gray suit, I'm like, well, I just feel like. <laughs> Look, he looks very nice. He looks I have lovely. zero complaints about it, but it is just like, whew. Like the, 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 the time spent getting ready dichotomy, the like, you yeah, know, all this kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And he doesn't need to look like he's just stepped off the runway, but he does need to look interesting in some way. And this is not an interesting outfit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, you know, it's like how much harder a woman has to work uh, to get to the same position as a man. And like, you the know, you can draw thing. any like good, valuable conclusion from from this uh, visual yeah. moment, you know? You could also say they both look pretty good. They, they, everybody looks lovely. Yeah. Hot people on TV? Crazy. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Uh, anyway, Brooke walks out to meet with Osha. Speaking of hot people, um, he says, On the night that you arrived on the red carpet to be our bachelorette, it was pretty clear to me that you felt the weight and the responsibility of the communities that see themselves in you. Brooke says, Absolutely. I really hope that I've done them proud. She sheds a tear. But the main part was a responsibility to myself in coming out of this with exactly what I wanted. And I love that I can say that I can leave with that happily, knowing that I'm so deserving of unconditional love, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of anything. Hell yeah. I honestly can't tell you how I feel about this person in words. I'm like utterly in love. Good shit. Love that. And Osha, in a gentle little whisper that reminds me of his rose ceremony voice, but is like maybe up two octaves. Did you catch this? It was very, very funny, pitched, wasn't it? Line delivery where he goes, Yeah. 
I'm so happy for you. That's what you came here for. <laughs> it's just like frantic, <laughs> really funny for some reason. Anyway, yada yada. Time for some heartbreak. Uh, Jamie Lee, you know, there's no, there's no fake out like we said. Jamie Lee just steps out of the, not even a limo. It's a, I think it's a, a Mitsubishi. Yeah. Fucking iconic vehicle, and I bought one this week. Um, Jamie Lee steps out of the car, and I think it felt like she could tell what was about to happen. And it makes me wonder, actually, at what point she did find out or, like, how long she's known for. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is that in her exit press, she has said that, no, she didn't know. But, look, to be honest with you, reading her face in this scene and the way in which Brooke starts to cry and Jamie Lee says, no, it's okay, it's okay, within fucking... 20 seconds right. of her arriving at the pedestal. She's like, she's comforting Brooke she before knows. she says anything. Yes. You know? Yes, exactly. It reminds me of the holiday in a weird way. Mm, that's actually, that's true. Um, but I think that's just, you know, what it looks like when like women care for each other on this, you know, on this grand yeah. scale, you know? Yeah. True, true, true. Brooke says, when we met three years ago, there was an instant connection. Since then, I feel like we never really got to experience a relationship outside, and it's always seemed like a very sliding door moment until you rocked up on the red carpet and I saw you there and you got out of that limo with that white dress on and you came up and you read me that letter that you left me that in that first experience. I absolutely think you're absolutely beautiful inside and out, and you make me feel like the only girl in the world. Banger. I really, really love exploring the possibility of a relationship and our beautiful love story, but unfortunately, it's not ours, and uh, my my heart is with someone else. Jamie Lee cries. She says, I don't know what to say. You're all right. You're all right. It's okay. They hug, and Jamie Lee says, I really am happy for you. I feel happy to have had this chance with you, and what we had was beautiful. There are a lot of tears. It is not That's nice. Yeah, it's not an easy watch, but it, like you can tell that they both care for each other so much and they are caring for each other. Like they are, you know, actively trying to help each other get through this as best as they can in this moment, which is really hard mm. on both of them. Like mm. Brooke crouches down to catch her breath as Jamie Lee walks away and gets into the car. And in her backseat chat, she says, "It's not how I saw things going." I feel lucky that I was given the chance to have my final shot. You know, like if I didn't come here and I didn't explore this with Brooke, I wouldn't have been able to close this chapter. I'm sad it ended this way, but it yeah. just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I feel for her. Yeah. It's rough. I, yeah. Like it feels oh, sorry. That was like my she dog. Must... Ha. Oh, no. Sorry. I don't have a dog. Sorry. Go on. Uh, no, it feels like she must be kicking herself over. Look, if I was her and I was mourning this relationship in the style of a competition, I would be kicking myself over the cultural yeah. literacy and over not saying that she was falling sooner. Yeah. Those are the two points where I would isolate based on the narrative of the show of what's been delivered that I'd be like, Ugh. yeah. To her credit, she's come out in the media and she said, I'm so happy that I get to see my friend fall in love. She has, I don't know. I think done fantastically out of this is now the time to talk about her social media gains, or would you like to save that for a minute? I'm going to save that for a sec. Um, okay. Cause I, I'd, I'd rather cap off the, the recap and then right, just dive right, into everybody. Right. And this is not to say that it is a measure only of her success no. that she has done well on social media, but she just seems, I don't know, genuine and, and kind. And even though, you know, I don't necessarily think that this relationship with Brooke was one 
that you or I might have flagged as one that was going to work out from the very, very start. Mm. Nonetheless, I feel like this will be a really meaningful one in Jamie Lee's life and something that will guide and hopefully lead to her being, you know, the most complete version of herself that she can be for whoever it is that she ends up dating next. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I am very, uh, I look back on this season fondly for her presence in it in the sense that I thought that her narrative was so juicy. Yeah. Like when she, when she entered, I was like, this is going to be a fascinating arc for the next three episodes. You know what I mean? Oh, like, totally. Until she gets sent home. I was like, yeah. this is like, you know, uh, catnip to producers who are creating this intertextual storyline that feeds back into something that happened before and makes you reinterpret it in a new way. And yeah, also, it's, yeah. you know, like it's this like yearning sort of lost love thing and friends to lovers sort of whatever. Like there's so much there the that I was bit. like, it's really rich. Of course, of course she's on the show, but it's too good to be true sort of thing. And, and the fact that uh-huh. they were able to take it further and I bought it every step of the way. And sure. we are now looking back on the the time that they have spent together and thinking about it in terms of like what each of them has gained from that experience uh-huh. is so encouraging to me about this yeah, show. Yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah. Um, that it's not just like, oh, that narrative thread was continuing to be interesting, but it's like, these are two people who have like grown from this experience. Yeah, grown and set a world record. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's going to get increasingly hard for them to trot that one out every couple of seasons right <laughs> chews up a whole night true so brooke itms that david has restored her faith in loving something so unconditionally and knowing that it loves you back we had time for an it pronoun but okay um she itms that i feel like we're going to have a really beautiful life together i'm really and utterly in love i'm so madly in love david steps out Brooke says, David, from the moment I met you on the red carpet and you came off that lawnmower, (laughs) (laughs) you left a massive impression on me. And I feel like, oh, I don't know. Love for me is just, and she can't, she's choked up, right? She's just not. She just absolutely can't, you know. David comforts her, squeezes her hands and says, it's all right, before bringing her in for a hug. And Brooke whispers, I want to get this out, I promise. From the moment I met you, I felt a lot of feelings. I felt calm. I felt trusting. I felt an instant chemistry and connection that I never, ever felt with anyone before. David, I'm just going to like, I don't know how to say this, but you came in here and you granted me three wishes and I still have one left. My God. Now, oh, she's David. Will you make me the happiest girl? He says, of course. She says, I love you so much. He says, and I love you. I did call it. The wishes thing, it. I fucking called it. I'm smart and cool and funny, and I'm good at hosting this podcast, and I should get a million dollars. So Brooke apologizes. She's a little exasperated. One of her fake eyelashes lifts completely off her eye, and she quickly quick, quickly rips both of them off without missing a beat. Love that was this. Great. Yeah. She says, I just wanted to give you something because I'm not that great at words. I wanted to give you a little something just to show you that I love you so much. She pops the ring on the pointer finger and they kiss. It is the band. It's the men's one, you know. Oh, yeah. I know the one. 
Um, da- Min's bin. Min's bin. Uh, David says, I genuinely have known from the first moment that I met you that it was going to be the start of something special. I've completely fallen in love with you, as you know. I want you to always feel loved and I want you to always feel supported. Love this. And I wanted to get you a little something to show you that I will be there for you and I will love you no matter what. He pops a ring for girls onto her finger and they kiss again as he tells her, you're so special. She says, I love you so much. He says, and I love you. And that is the end. This episode, of course, sponsored by Ring for Girls. (laughs) So, okay, I mean, that's the end, really. You know, let's talk about Instagram games, right? Yeah. This is a yeah. big week for fucking Instagram. Uh, and we have the official BOHIG data to cap off the season. First of all, let's just talk about this week, right? Mm-hmm. In first place for gains is unsurprisingly the first place finisher of this season and Brooke Burton's new squeeze, David Three Wishes Garayelli with a whopping... 30,888 new followers in the seven days to Saturday. Not far behind him is his beautiful new partner, the lead of what I genuinely feel has been the best season of this show. Mm. Brooke Blurton with 24,997 new followers. Good for her. Did she get to her 300,000? We'll talk about it. Hot on their tail is the one and only Conrad B.N. Stevens who did not appear on our big wide screens this week. Uh, not even once, but he appeared on their little handheld screens of 12,518 new followers on Instagram. An incredible parasocial effort from a player we will likely be hearing about for some time to come. One would think, don't you reckon? Yeah. Uh, and then in third place of the contestants, a woman with at least six different Stan Instagram accounts made in her name, of course, it's Jamie Lee Days, who was followed by a very healthy 7,352 people this week. So where does that leave us? Well, Brooke Blurton's overall follower increase since preseason is 56,090 people. It's a good hit. Leaving her at the time that I collected this data with 299,367 oh. Just a hair short of that arbitrary adjusted goal of $300,000, which doesn't matter. Although, at the time of recording, with the benefit of a couple of days of 10-play viewing and tons of media coverage and everybody talking about it, we cleared that fucking milestone, baby. Hell yeah. We're we're all across it. Uh, You can check your phone. It'll be something way higher than that by the time you're listening to this. First place in overall gains since preseason. What do, you, what do you reckon? Could it be the person who has topped the chart every single week except this one? Yeah, I reckon. The parasocial titan whose unassailable charm led him into the most talked about relationship of the season? Seems accurate. Well, you would think so, but actually in first place overall, it's none other than David Garayelli, oh, really? who wasn't even in the top three last week, but made an astonishing push during the hours and days following the finale now having gained 34,657 new followers since preseason. Not far behind him, though, of course, is the group chat tantalizing Instagram grid officialing background character in a thousand Instagram stories, Conrad B.N. Stevens, with a hefty 27,348 followers. We love. Beautiful. And in third place... 
largely due to her incredible heartbreak edit in the grand finale is of course runner-up Jamie Lee Days with 12,418 new followers to her name. Mm, mm. If people are interested, I will post the full grid of all the Instagram movements from this season somewhere, maybe in Osh Posting. I would say pop it in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh Posting group, which is where you can come to chat with us and also past and future guests of the show and past and future guests of the television show. So that is the end of that chapter. But, well, Maxie... (laughs) Well, Xavi. Let's tell the people what the plan is. Look, if you have stayed with us for this long into this episode, oh boy, are we going to let you in on a little secret? Because The Bachelor of Hearts Presents Ancient History is moving to a brand new platform mm. in 2022. Xavi, hit him. Okay, so here's the plan, guys. Um, we have spent the last few months typing up fucking 5,000 word recaps every week, editing hours and hours of audio, taking screenshots, making art, tracking social media, yada, yada. We both need a little bit of a break. We love it. Of course. I'm not complaining, but, uh, we need a little bit of a break. Mm. What traditionally happens on this podcast is we take a break for like ever, right? Mm. We take a break for Mm. a really long time. And then we come back when they announce a new season or something or at, one or two points in between now. Exactly. You know? We're not doing that this time. Uh, we are going to take December off uh, unless something very urgent happens that we need to address or if something mm-hmm. comes up. I think that's the plan. I think that's right. However, we are very excited to announce that we are starting a Patreon. Bachelor of Hearts Extra Credit will be your destination for bonus BOH content including episodes releasing during the off-season whilst we wait for Australian Batchy to come back to our screens. Waste, also a fine adjective. (laughs) While we waste our lives doing more of this show. Uh, We will continue releasing episodes while The Bachelor or Bachelorette is airing as well when that time comes. Uh, we have got some early plans for this, but I think we're going to hit you with the full details once we're ready to go live. Mm-hmm. But you're going to be able to get two exclusive episodes per month for five bucks a month, starting from January 2022. And I think you're going to love it. Yeah, look, listeners, we're super excited about it. It's going to be a really fun development for us here on the pod. And look, yeah, it's going it, to, where I don't know how to say other than I'm going to watch some more Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, and I think right. that's going to be good. And I'm going to hang out with my friend Xavier. Right. And I like both of those things. We like all of you. If you're interested, come join us. We'd love to have you. Yeah. And look, uh, the the show that you uh, subscribe to right now is not going anywhere. Of we will still not. have the free episodes. Uh, we will still be giving you our incredible coverage when that time comes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, stay tuned. We'll tell you a bit more about it once it's all going live. Uh, mm-hmm. But until that time comes, I would really like to shout out to the Zave heads. And uh, just say, you did it, guys. You made it. You sat through it. (laughs) We made it there together. Couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much for all your support. Uh, I'd also like to thank Max Nation as well for uh, mostly staying out of my sight because you people make me sick. (laughs) Um, Max, is there anything else you would like to say before we finish? At this point for this year, I have said all that I possibly can. The only thing left to say... I believe 
is that listeners, we love you. We love you. you. Goodbye. Thank you.